Alrighty, let's pray together. Lord, we thank you that we can come together today. We thank you for your presence in this place. Angels, I thank you that you're here to help us today as we minister, Lord, that we just want to dig into your word. We want to reflect you, Lord. We want to know you more. We want to shine for you more. We want to grow, Lord. So I ask for our hearts, Lord, to be open before you. Lord, as I speak the words that you've laid on my hearts, Lord, that they would be delivered with clarity, Lord, that they would shift things in our lives. Lord, that your word would um, just sink into our hearts and bear fruit in our lives, Lord. Holy Spirit, we invite you to be here. Have your way in this place. Move in this place. Change things in this place. We pray for transformation, Lord. In Jesus' precious name. And we all said, Amen. Alrighty, it's the last Sunday of the year. Can you believe that? It's the last Sunday of 2015 already. And uh, if you live in my house, it's the time for New Year's resolutions, it's goal setting, and uh, you've escaped the reflection sermon from Philip this year, you get me. But, uh, but um, we love Philip's reflection sermons, don't we? Everybody who hasn't been around for more than a year, he reflects, he ponders. He's actually really good this year. Hasn't he? He's been quite smiley this year. <laughs> He's been too busy. <laughs> we hustle him a little bit out, but it's good to reflect because otherwise you just keep on chugging along and you don't stop to, to really ponder and, um, you know, think about things. We need to think about things and think deeply about things. And so this is a time of the year where we get a chance to do that. And, but today... Just to get you ready, because it's New Year's this week, I want to speak about change. <laughs> yeah, this is not a reflector sermon. This is a get up and go sermon. So you might regret Philip's not speaking by the end of it. <laughs> I want to speak about change. And I realised something about myself this week. I actually think it was on Christmas morning. I woke you up at 5.30, didn't I? And I said, I've had an epiphany. It was early, but I had. And um, I actually like change. Believe it or not, I am a melancholy personality, but I like change. Get excited, all melancholies. You can actually like change. I might not think I like change in the middle of a transition, in the middle of when life gets messy and I'm being majorly stretched, but I do actually like change. And I like being around people who embrace that philosophy of life. Because to change should mean that you're growing. To change should mean that you're growing. And we all have this amazing capacity and ability within us for growth and development in every area of our life. And that's why I like change. Because change means that we're growing. Change means that we're developing. Change means that we're being the person and being transformed into the person that God created us to be in the first place. So I actually do like change. And I think most of us like change. We just don't like the process of change. Amen? It really is a, a point of fear and pride that causes a person to have the attitude, this is who I am, like it or lump it. This is who I am, like it or lump it. And uh, I was reading this article this week about marriage, but it really covers every attitude for all of our lives and relationships. But if, especially if you're looking for a husband or a wife, just listen up to this, right? Down the front, yep. 
But this actually covers every area of our life. So we may fall in love with any kind of person, but the person we choose to marry must embody one particular quality. They must be committed to constant change and transformation. We should not choose someone who is perfect. We should choose someone who is perfectly aware they aren't perfect and who wants to get better with every day. We marry people because we like who they are, but people change. Plan for it. Don't marry someone because of who they are or who you want them to become. Marry them because of who they are determined to become and then spend a lifetime joining them and their becoming as they join you in yours. That's something just to think about there. That's beautiful. There's actually something very powerful about our commitment to change and transformation. There's something about a person who has a vision and a purpose for their life and that they desire to change consistently and constantly for the better. That type of person has a special quality about them. They know who they want to become and are committed to growth and transformation. They're committed to growth and transformation. And God is given an open invitation into our lives when we have that sort of attitude. We openly ask him to move and to change us when we have that sort of attitude of I'm committed to growth. I'm committed to transforming. I'm committed to changing. He loves us just the way we are. He accepts us just how we are. But he also loves us so much, too much, to leave us like that. He loves us just how we are and he accepts us, but he also loves us too much to leave us and some of the stuff and some of the attitudes and behaviours and thought patterns that we're in. And that's why he talks about transformation. The change we need most is not in our circumstances. We often think if it was better, if this happened, if I got a better job, if I lived in this sort of house, if my finances were better, all those things. The change is not in our circumstances, it's in ourselves. So I have three points today. The first point is real change starts with new life, not just a new leaf. Real change starts with new life, not just a new leaf. The very heart of the Christian faith revolves around change, but it's not just turning over a new leaf. It's living out a new life. It's living out a new life. Christian transformation always involves something old passing away and something new taking its place. You cannot hold on to the old and receive the new. You cannot hold on to the old and try and grow something new. You've got to get rid of the old and let the new come in and transform you. It's not just a new way of living that we have. It is a new life we have. 2 Corinthians 5.17, which I think has been my scripture all year that God's been just speaking to me about, is therefore if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. 
when we're talking about transformation and we invite God into our life to do that, it's always something is going to pass away that was old and something new is going to take its place. When you ask God into your life, he transforms us. We are a new creation, but then there's a process that goes with that to work through all of our life. Spiritual change is needed by everyone. It is a huge attitude of pride to say, I've grown enough, that's enough now, God. We're his workmanship, and until you get to glory, and he says, well done, enter into my rest, good and faithful servant, he's in the process of working on us. And it's our own pride that says, I've done enough now, I don't want to change, and our own fears that get us to that attitude. We are constantly in need of this change, no matter who we are. But you know, too many people misunderstand when God says, I want to change you. Let me in. Let me work in your life. Let me work in your heart. They're, too, they're scared because they misunderstand and they believe that if I change, then the motivation is then God will love me better, that he will love me more, that he will like me more. Religion says, I obey, therefore I am accepted. Christianity says, I'm accepted, therefore I obey. Religion binds you up. I obey, therefore I am accepted because I do these things. A faith in Jesus says, I'm accepted, therefore I obey because I know God has the best for me. The work of the cross is what causes our acceptance before God. Not something we do, but something that's been done already by Jesus. We can't do anything more to be accepted or loved or cherished by God. We've just got to accept what he has done for us already and then let him in to work and transform us to be the person that we were created to be. Trying to turn over a new leaf all the time is a temporary fix and it leads to a frustrating cycle of always trying to find the next fix. That's not what our Christian walk is about. You know, King Solomon found that out. I'll read from Ecclesiastes chapter 1 verse 12 says, Look, I have amassed wisdom far beyond all those who are over Jerusalem before me, and my mind has thoroughly grasped wisdom and knowledge. I applied my mind to know wisdom and knowledge, but it's all madness and folly. I learned that this too is a pursuit of the wind. With much wisdom is much sorrow. As knowledge increases, grief increases. Solomon's own words show the folly of hoping to change our own life. He had access to wisdom, to finances, to military power and everything you could possibly want in this life. He had women everywhere, he had food, he had gold, he had everything that the world says you seek after. But he said he found life to me no more than chasing the wind. He needed an outside force, God working in him rather than continuing to shift and change something that was old. We actually need God to come in and start to work in us. Because if we're trying to make it happen with all our knowledge and wisdom and know-how, it's just going to end up, like Solomon said, a chasing after the wind. We can't do it. The secret is to go that God can do it. And it's called surrender. Rather than wasting our lives on trying to change ourselves, God is simply asking us to surrender over our lives to him working in us. 
to create in us that new life and let it flourish. You change by surrendering. What a relief. No more toil. No toil. No struggling. Just surrender. John chapter 3, if you turn with me. John chapter 3 and verse 3. It's the account of Nicodemus. And he came to Jesus in the night. He, he was a religious leader. He was a Pharisee and he said to Jesus, he said to him in verse 4, he says, How can a man be born when he is old? Because Jesus said to him, he must be born again. How can a man be born again when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? And Jesus answered, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. See, Nicodemus, he was like, how can I change? I've done all these things. You know, he, Jesus was approached by him, and, he, and Nicodemus knew that Jesus had something, and he was speaking about something, and that Nicodemus needed to change. You know, he had the right background, he had the right spiritual training, he had the right position in a, a society, but he had not been transformed. He was most likely very moral and definitely very religious. But Jesus informed him of the need to be born again. Nicodemus did not need more rules in his life. He actually needed lasting spiritual change. Rules don't, don't modify, can modify behavior, but they only relationship that can actually bring change in life as a, as a relationship with Jesus. You know, if you read this book in God's Word and you go, right, I have to do this and do this and do this, your behavior will be modified but it won't bring life. It'll just bring a bunch of rules and can'ts and can't, can't do's and don't do that. That's religion. And you'll think, oh, if I just do these things, then I'm going to be pleasing to God. That's not Christianity. It's going, you have to be born again. You have to let the life of God flow through you. And it's not just a one-off thing of raising my hand and saying the sinner's prayer and off, off you go and, you know, get out there. It's actually going, God, I receive your love. God, I receive your forgiveness. Jesus, I thank you that you love me. Now I surrender my will to you. You are my saviour as well as my Lord. You work in me and you change me. You change me. Now some of us have heard the story about Basil the branch. We read it every now and then about the little branch that was connected to the vine and he was trying to produce grapes all by himself. And he, he said, if I just try harder, if I just work harder. And he sat there and the kids love it because you go. And Basil sat there and he went. Eep! And nothing happened. He looked at his stalk and there was nothing there. So he says, if I just work harder, if I just try harder, if I just do these things. So he sat there and went. And nothing was there, not even a sultana. Come on now, we do the same things. And then a voice behind him said, <clears throat> excuse me, what are you doing? He says, I'm trying to produce a grape. 
He says, well, you can't produce the grape. I'm the vine. You're the branch. I do it. You just focus on me. And so Basil just relaxed. He just surrendered. And as the time went by, the season came, and he looked at his little stalk, and there was this lovely bunch of grapes. We can't bring out all those things that we know that God wants us to have. You know, the Christian walk of being loving and kind and faithful and gentle and self-controlled and patient. If you try to do those things apart from Jesus, apart from the vine, you're just going to be like Basil, trying and straining. And it's not going to bring the joy that Jesus said he came to give us. He brings change and transformation when we relax in him and we just focus our eyes in him. The author and finisher of our faith, Jesus, and he brings it apart to pass. All we are asked to do is just surrender and focus on him. So relationship with Jesus is what imparts new life. It's not merely a new way of life. It's a new life that brings change. Number two is real change is a process. It's not a destination. A life is one of growth. Philippians 1 verse 6 says, Being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus. We don't have to be afraid. We don't have to go, am I ever going to be any different? If we just be like Basil and just focus on the Jesus, the vine, he says he will work it out. He says you can be very confident of this one thing, that he who began a good work in us will be faithful to complete it. You know, he says he perfects those things that concern us. He's watching over you. He's the lover of our souls and he, he knows what you need and he's constantly going, hello, hello, are you listening? Because he knows. And our stubbornness gets in the way too often. We go, well, I know and I want to do it this way. And he goes, if you just surrender to me, if you just do it my way, life is going to flow in you. Because when we do it our way, we get ourselves in a big puddly mess, you know? And God says, just do it my way. It's a new life in you. And sometimes we've got this beautiful new life that God has given us, and then we turn around, and I'll talk about that old hag again, that old dead thing that was buried and dead, crucified with Jesus, and we go and dig that thing back up again, and we put it on our back, and then we start to try and walk around, and we wonder why our new life in Christ, that we're a new creation. Old things have passed away, behold, new things have come, and we're carrying around this old thing, this old dead thing again. And I've told us, oh, yeah, get that thing in the ground and seal it down there and say, don't you come back out again. When we see our old life coming back up, the Bible says to put off the old man and put on the new. We're clothed with righteousness. And if we allow that thing to come up out of the ground like the claw and come and get you, you say, get down in the grave again. You know, I am crucified with Christ. It's no longer I that lived, but he who lives in me. Amen? My God, to watch that dead thing. You stick a dead body on you and you don't get it off again. It's going to eat away the new life in you. There was a former execution way back. They'd stick a dead body and that thing would eat away at the living. 
You've got to keep that dead thing in the ground. We've been crucified with him. A new creation in him now. We've been raised to life. That's what baptism is all about. It's a symbol of what has happened in our spirit. Real change is trusting that God will complete the good work in you, that we don't have to try and do it because when we get into trying to do it, we're going to go back to what we know. And what we know is the old. God has started and is completing the work of transformation in us. Real change happens at the moment of salvation, but it's a continual transformation. You work out our salvation. That's what it means, is that we are a new creation, and then he teaches us how to walk in that. Being a Christian is not just saying the sinner's prayer. Change and transformation is consistently moment by moment, day by day, month by month. And sometimes you think, am I getting anywhere, God? Just keep your eyes focused on him and you will continue to change. You know, there's seasons in our life where it's woohoo, everything's good. We call that the spring season. And then we have seasons where we're just plodding along, you know, and we think, is any God doing anything? Just stay consistent with him. Keep looking at him, the vine, the author and finisher of our faith, and trust him that what he has started, he will complete in you. What he has spoken, that he will bring to path, that his promises are yes and amen for us. Trust him to do what he has promised. When we start to meddle, we're going to bring that old stuff back up. Jesus causes our lives to have true significance. Do it his way. Number three is change is letting go and grabbing hold. God doesn't force anyone to change, but he calls us to change. He calls us to allow him to work. You know, he says things like, be holy because I am holy. 1 Peter 1.16. And that sounds like an impossible task because we know that sometimes we're not acting very holy, don't we? He says, be holy because I am holy. But it's just allowing God to work in us. Our part is to say, Lord, here I am. Shape and mold me. I surrender to you. Because his holiness is what makes us holy. That we're in him, he's in us. We're in him, he's in us. We're connected to him. Just like the vine and the branches. All the goodness and the power and the love that flowed through, flowed through that vine into that branch to make it produce fruit. That's how it is with us. We are connected to him. Everything that he has, we have. Everywhere he goes, we go. <laughs> Good thing I numbered my pages. And we've just got to stay connected to him. And, you know, that, that encompasses everything. From very, very first coming to know him, to reaching into the heavenlies, to experiencing what he got, experienced, to go where he goes, to see what he sees. We've just got to stay surrendered and connected to him. I choose to put off the old man and put on the new, Ephesians 4 says. Letting go of the familiar is difficult sometimes, even when the new offered is better. Sometimes it seems part of our makeup is actually to resist change even when it's what we need and what's going to help us. Letting go of the familiar is difficult. It is. 
I fight it quite often, even though I love change and I want to grow. And, you know, in my very spiritual moments, when I'm like, yes, God, just here I am. Do whatever you want. Woohoo! And then it starts to happen. He goes, rightio, then let's proceed. Let's just let this process. And he puts a finger on something. He says, okay, let's shift this. Let's change this. You know that I've got better for you. I don't, every time I ask you to let go of something, it's only because I have something better. And you know all that. But our little nature, a little old thing starts to come up out of that grave and go, eh, it's too hard, it's too stretching, it's too uncomfortable. And God says, come on. And the cloud of witnesses, they're cheering us on and they come on because they can see. They've got all eternity and they can see. And they're going, come on now. This is better. It's changed, but it's better. It's changed because it's full and abundant life in that place. It's changed because I love you. And I have a plan and a purpose. And even when you can't see, because half the time if we could see, we'd freak out. He says, come on. It's too often we resist when we should surrender. We hold on when we just need to let go. I'm going to list a couple of uh, reasons why we, we uh, don't want to change and how it's difficult for us. A is people are stubborn. Have you ever tried to take something out of a two-year-old's hand when they want it? <laughs> They're amazingly strong. When they want to hold on to a cho- the toy or something that they want, it takes some doing to get that toy out of that two-year-old's hand. And we can be just like that. We can get a grip and hold on and we want to keep it. And often we simply need to realise that it's time to surrender and let go. Sometimes we just don't want to change because we're just being stubborn. That's different from tenacious, by the way. Stubborn is stubborn. Yeah? B, because people are trapped... Perhaps you've heard the illustration of how to trap a monkey. All you need is a rock and a coconut. Drill a hole in the coconut large enough to put the rock inside, but not large enough for anything else. The monkey will reach inside to take hold of that rock. But its clenched fist around the rock will not fit back through the hole. The monkey will, in effect, trap itself because of a refusal to let go of that rock. Many times we trap ourselves with a clenched fist. I'm not letting go. I'm not changing. I've done enough. Holding on to pride, to hobbies, to preferences or any other thing that can keep a person from the new life Jesus wishes to form in us is just like that. We won't let go. See, because people are comfortable I love to be comfortable. I like all my ducks in a row. I like everything ordered. I like everything just so. I married a man who is a complete opposite from that. We sharpen each other up. Why do some people keep using outdated methods and technology? (laughs) Why would someone continue to use a piece of technology that is inferior? I can tell you. Because I know how it works. I get very frustrated when I can't make the thing work. I get a new phone, I've got the hang of it, and then Philip gets me a new one. And then I take about a year to figure out how to use it, and then I need another one. (laughs) 
Ivan just shakes his head at me when I can't use my computer, I'm sure. He's very gracious. But we, why do we use something? Why do we keep on hammering away at something even when there's something better? Even when that thing we have is inferior? Because it's comfortable. We are comfortable with it. It's familiar and we have mastered it. We know what it does. We know what it doesn't do, but we're quite happy with the doesn't do because we're quite comfortable with the thing. Yeah? It often takes being made uncomfortable to learn something new. Are there places in your life like that? By the look of your faces, I think so. We get comfortable with an issue and things in our lives that keeps us from knowing Jesus better, even when we know that they don't please him. We get comfortable with our standard of living, even if it keeps us from the plan and purpose of God for our lives. We get comfortable with our friends, even if they're negative and not good for us. We get comfortable with our marriage and the way it is, most of the time. We get comfortable with the sickness because we know what it does and oh, it'll pass. We get comfortable with lack because it's, it's scary to think that God could prosper us. We get comfortable with our attitudes, our eating habits, our exercise or lack of it, our ability to communicate, and we get comfortable about our relationship with God. You know, that's God. That's good. Don't get too fanatical. Don't get too much. Don't get overboard. We get comfortable, and that's why we won't change. But God wants us to take hold of something better. He wants breakthrough. He wants new things. He wants life. D, we don't like to change because we are afraid. Fear of the unknown is a big reason why people don't change. Some think following Jesus will make them a fanatic or socially awkward, so they don't want to go that way. Not knowing what God will ask of us causes many of us to shy away from the new life Jesus offers us. It actually can paralyze us from fully embracing the new life that we've inherited. We're like, well, what if God asked me to go over there and do that? What if he asked me to go and pray? Or what if he asked me to go to spirit school? You know, those people, what do they do on those nights? What if he asked me to go to the prayer meeting? Because surrender means that you do what he says, not what we say. And that's a scary place and we get afraid because when God asks to surrender and brings about change, we know that he's going to ask things of us. We know that he's going to start speaking. We know that. And so we back away. It's uncomfortable and I'm afraid. E, we don't like to change because change hurts. It's hard to change, isn't it? Even good change costs some of our security and leaving our comfort zone and it carries a price. But for what God wants to give us and wants of us, change is required. If you keep on doing the same things, you're going to get the same result. If you want God to work in us, if we want to change, if we want to be transformed, if we can sense and see things in our life, and we're going, we just want to burst out sometimes, there has to be a change that brings transformation to happen. If you keep on doing the same things, if you keep on thinking the same way, if you keep on walking with God the same way and don't get any deeper, if you keep on having the same relationships and the same thought patterns, you're going to stay the same. 
If you want to grow deeper, if you want to go higher, if you want to have a fuller and more abundant life, then you have to change. You can't get a different result if there is no different steps and process and attitudes. Change means change. People never change often when they're not in God. And I don't want us to be like this. We shouldn't have to get to the painful stage before we say, I go, God, I give up. But too often we do. He allows us to get so uncomfortable as a catalyst to make us change. Because we're stubborn and we're fearful and we want to be comfortable. And so he just says, all right then. I'm just going to let you get really uncomfortable. This is not my best for you. But if you're not listening, then you're going to get really uncomfortable because that's going to be a catalyst, a catapult for you to go, I give up, do something, anything. Why do we always have to get like that? For God to transform us. He wants us to just be easily led. We have to get to a point where we've had enough often and then finally we surrender. What hard work. That's when we get into toil. That's when we get into struggle. You know, you have marriage issues or you have relationship issues. And until it gets so uncomfortable, because, until it gets like dire straits and everything's going to blow up, then we go, oh, oh, God, do something. And yet every day, daily by daily, his walk with us. He says, I'll change you. I'll work in you. Why is it that we have to have some sickness come upon us before we change our eating patterns? Or we just start to exercise because we like to be comfortable and it's scary. Why do we leave it until it's so uncomfortable? If we're surrendered and we're listening up, God will lead us. Why do we have to keep all those negative thought patterns and those unhealthy relationships in our life so that we end up in a big pit to despond when God is the one that lifts us up? Why do we have to get to the point where we're going to the doctors for depression tablets so that we can feel better when God says, I've got a way? You know why? Because we don't want to change and we're not surrendered. There's stuff in our life. He's given us a new life, but as a process of transformation. And if we will not let God into those areas, those areas are going to come and bite us somewhere, somehow. change. We don't like it because it hurts. And too often we leave things until it's so uncomfortable. And unfortunately, sometimes then for some things and for some relationships, it's too late. God doesn't want that for us. From a minor adjustment to a complete overhaul, change has a price tag. It hurts sometimes, but it's good for us. Because God has a way through. He loves us. When you know that you've got past to deal with, when you know that you've got family issues, when you know you've been hurt by people, don't leave it sitting there because it's going to come at you somewhere. When you're sitting in God's presence or in church and there's a nudge in your heart, deal with that. Give that to me. And you go, no. That's where we get stubborn and God can't work with us. He'll just allow us to get really uncomfortable until we cry out to him. Our pride gets in the way of the fullness and abundant life that God wants us to have. Change is necessary even when it hurts. 
The only question remaining for most people is what hurts worse, staying where we are or getting to where we want to be. See, for me, the hurt of not reaching all that God wants me to be is greater than the hurt of change. So I will do what I need to do to change because I don't want to be that person that misses out on the life that God called me, misses out on all that Jesus grabbed hold of my life for. The the hurt of missing out to me is greater than the hurt of letting go. And so I will push myself. I will surrender myself. I will shift things in me. I will forgive where I need to forgive even when I go, "Mm." I will let it go because I know that I don't want to miss out on everything that Jesus died to give me because that would be a bigger hurt. When I reach heaven and I've done my work here and I go, I could have had so much. Why did I hold on to that rubbish? Why was I so stubborn? Why did I not deal with that hurt? Why did I not work on that relationship? I missed out and it wasn't Jesus doing, it was my doing. And we're going to make sure that we don't get in the way of the transformation process because we will not surrender. Change is inevitable. We can't choose whether change will come or not. Something always changes for good or bad. But we can choose whether we embrace or resist change. It's important to choose the kind of change that embraces the work of God in us personally and embraces what God wants to use us to do to bless the world. He has a plan and a purpose, and it's good. He wants to use each one of us to reach the world, to bless them. But too often we're holding on to stuff and he can't do anything. He must be jumping up and down in heaven going, come on. You know, it's important to choose the kind of change that embraces what God has for us because then we can embrace the world. Ed Stasis wrote, the alternative to transformation is to pick a rut and make it deeper. That's the alternative, is to pick a rut and make it deeper. God holds a desire to bring transformation to our lives at church and to use us in our community. The transformation is there for the choosing. Of course, so is the rut of remaining the same. We get to choose. The year is nearly out. We get to choose. We either go, God, I surrender You've given me a new life. Lord, I let your process of change work in me day by day. I let go and I let God in. Or we pick the rut and we just dig it a bit deeper. The choice is always ours. But I know which one I'm going to go for. Let's pray together. Lord, I thank you for your word. I just thank you that you love us so much that you don't want to just leave us in some of the stuff that we have in our life. Lord, I pray that the words that I've spoken that were laid on my heart by you, Lord, that they would challenge us, that they would move us, that they would shift things in us, Lord, so that we just open up our lives, open up our hearts and surrender to you and say, Lord, even when I don't understand, even when it hurts, even when I'm afraid, Lord, I pray that you would work in me that you would change me, that I am your workmanship, Lord, and that you would just continue to make me and transform me from glory to glory, that I might reflect you, Lord. Lord, I pray that that would be our heart's cry, Lord. 
as we go into this new year, Lord, that we would be constantly and consistently transformed to be all that we were created to be. Lord, we want to grab hold of everything that you grabbed hold of us for. We don't want to get to to glory and go, oh, I could have had so much more. Let us run the race free, Lord, and grab hold of everything, even when it means change. I pray that you would give us courage, Lord. I pray that we would know above all that you love us. I pray for every relationship, Lord, that you would just bring transformation and healing where needs to be, Lord. That there would be openness between husband and wife, between mother and daughter, father and son, Lord. Every relationship in our life, Lord, that you would transform, that you would bring healing. And Lord, as we do that, as we surrender to you, that we would reach the world around us that so desperately needs to hear this. We pray in Jesus' precious name. And we all said, Amen.